In part one, we set the anxiety stage, and now we're ready to dazzle you as we flawlessly dance across it. With Kristen playing herself in the lead role of most anxious ADHD year alive, and Grace fucking around in the background, we'll take you on a whimsical ear journey through the complicated one-two step of anxiety and ADHD. Metaphorically look upon us as we fossy dance into the comorbidity rates between ADHD and anxiety, monster mash through common anxiety inducers for ADHDers, and pop, lock, and drop it all the way into treatment options and beyond. Like a moth to the hair, this episode will both frighten and delight you. So make sure you get your ticket for what may not be the most educational anxiety episode out there, but you'll learn something. They said that we'd grow out of it. Well, the joke's on them, that's just our brains. We're eccentric, loud, and stubborn. And most of our clothing is covered in stains. It's not a deficit of attention. There's just too much to think about. So if executive dysfunction becomes a little too much, if you forgot why you came in this room, or you're hypersensitive to touch, then put on your seamless socks, and come join our little flock. Bitches stimming together, we're weirds of a feather, weirds of a All right, well, yeah, do you want to officially get going on this episode? Welcome to Words of a Feather, an ADHD-adjacent podcast. I'm your host, Kristen. That was aggressive for no reason. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Do you want me to redo it? No, it's good. Okay. I'm your host, Grace. It is what it is. At least you remembered. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm getting there. Little it's only just taken almost a year. Yep, it's been more than a year. More than a year. We've been doing this for a while. All right, you're going to start us off with a listener yes. opening question? I have one. Okay, this one's about food textures. Oh, okay. And this is sent in by Alexa Schaefer. So thank you. Thank you, from, Alexa. From Instagram. And I wrote it right back. I was like, I'm adding this to the list. But there is no list. It's just... It's just this. It's just this. Um, okay, our first question. It's a two-parter. All right. It's both about food textures. All right, perfect. Crunchy or creamy peanut butter? See, I could go either way on this, and it really depends on my mood. It depends on the day, and it depends on what I'm eating. Sometimes I like the crunch. Other times I just want it smooth, same texture. See, absolutely not for me. Really? Crunchy peanut butter, is, it's, it's like against God. I don't well, even believe in God. It goes against I, everything I, that you stand for, yes, which is all the same texture. It's all the same texture. Why would you put crunchies in something that's so creamy and delicious and good? You're just going to – I'm so distracted by the crunchies, I can't even enjoy my peanut butter. All right, here's when I like it, especially is when I'm eating peanut butter and a banana – because the, oh my god no! the crunch gives another because bananas are smushy yes and then if i also have smushy peanut butter yes that's just like it's perfect a lot of smush no i like a little crunch in there sometimes a little texture no thank you well this is my opinion so i don't care how you like to eat bananas and peanut butter this is my thing this is how i like it so I'm sometimes like... crunchy sometimes smooth is where i stand no all right <laughs> what's the second part of the question um i just i just i i'm just like ooh. Like, the peanuts are so hard. Yeah, but you go into it knowing that you're going to be, like, chewing. That's the difference, you know? Don't go into it as if it's going to be, like, a smooth peanut butter and then you're, like, unpleasantly surprised. Go yeah. into it as if, like, I'm going to eat a bunch of mashed up peanuts. All right. I'm, I'm asking poll question. Poll question! When is it appropriate to eat crunchy peanut butter? Yeah. Let's talk about the appropriateness okay. of this question. Because my opinion would be never. Inappropriate. It's inappropriate is, is what you say. in all areas. And uh, I say appropriate sometimes. Depends like on the to situation. Know. Maybe, maybe there's a new recipe I can try with crunchy peanut butter. No, I don't think you're going to like it. I don't think so either, but I'm willing to try. Okay. I appreciate your openness. Okay. Part two. Crunchy or fluffy French fries. And I don't understand. What as is in, a fresh? As in crinkle cut? Fluffy? Or does she mean, wait, wait, read it again. Crunchy or fluffy French fries. Okay. So she means either like the little like crispy McDonald's ones maybe or like a bigger, thicker, like fluffier French mm. fry. So crinkle cut or not. But I feel like I think of crinkle cut as like the meatier, a meatier fry. So that's I what want I'm picturing. I don't like that. Crunchy but not burnt. Yes. 
Because I think if you overdo the crunchiness, then you're just burnt fries. Yes, but and I don't those like are the worst. I don't like a fry that's just like a lot of potato, like a big, a big thicker. So you're not a potato fry. wedge person. No, I think it's too much potato. It's too dry. I like a fry. That's why you have ketchup. Yeah, but even then, the, the potato, the potato, the potato to ketchup ratio is all off. Mm. I do like a small crispy fry. I agree. If I had my preference, it would be a smaller crispy fry. Yeah. I don't want it too thin. I think McDonald's sometimes too thin. Yeah. I um, agree. I'll, I'll agree with that. You got it. It's it's got to be just right. It's got to yeah. be. I think Wendy's does a good job. If you can get them warm. <laughs> yeah. That's I feel problem. like you're like, oh, these fries have been under the heater for days. Yeah. I feel like that's the number one thing with fries is like the hotness and the freshness. Right. So the number, right. The I think the ones when so we live in New England. When you go to like those like lobster places mm. and they serve it with fries, those are the perfect ones. Yes, yeah, I was gonna say those are the they're best. They're like they're those, made with mean potatoes. They're little and skinny, they're but little not and skinny. as skinny as McDonald's. Usually, sometimes they have the skins left on them, which mm. is nice, like on the very tips. Just and the tip. they're deep fried and they're lovely. Yep, I agree. Um, that's my perfect fry. <laughs> <laughs> that's my PF. Uh, that being said, I come from a long line of potato eaters. Yep. Yeah, we regularly for about like seven people will have like ten to fifteen pounds of mashed potatoes. Holy shit. Yeah. I like, love a mashed potato. Yeah, well we that's like a whole thing is a whole like every like Thanksgiving or Christmas, it's a whole preparation of the potatoes and my aunt does the potatoes because she's the best at the potatoes, so no one else does the potatoes. But if someone gives me a potato wedge, you better believe I'm eating that potato chip wedge. I'll eat it, but yeah. it's not my preference. It's not my favorite. If I, yeah, I'm I'll, eating it. I'll eat sure. potatoes in like pretty much any form, mm -hmm. but there are definitely like some that are superior. What about the smiley fries? Um, I don't know. They're a little too potatoey for me. See, they're a little, they're too, a little too happy for me. <laughs> should be I that want happy. A sad fry, right? I think they should be either serious or sad. Then I, I feel a little bit better about eating them. I don't want to take the joy out of that fry. Eat them upside down. So and I agree, they are a little too potatoey. Right? I think it's because you have to bake them. I think mm. if you deep fried those suckers, that would be really nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks. that was a great warm up question. Yeah. Thanks, Alexis Schaefer, for sending that in. Appreciate it. Yeah. And those of you listening, you'll have to let us know. Take it to the polls. Let us know what you Take think. Take it to the polls. What your stances are on crunchy peanut butter. Yeah. When is it appropriate, if at all? And it's never appropriate, but that's your... okay. I'm, I'm willing to entertain the fact that there may be some sort of particular situation where crunchy peanut butter would be appropriate. Yeah. Some kind of like dire end of the world situation. Yes. Yeah. yeah you're all on right. an island. It's the only thing to eat. All right. In extreme situations. Although eating peanut butter on an island too dry I feel like your mouth will get too sticky yeah but if mm, yeah if it's the only food you have do you eat it because i feel like it would just make your mouth more dry but it is sustenance i mean obviously you're gonna eat it you gotta eat it it's yeah food. i would eat it it's a good way to go yeah although i prefer creamy in that situation <laughs> oh death by crunchy peanut uh, butter <laughs> uh yeah so we'll take some poll questions yep. let us know It'll be interesting to know. Yeah. Yeah. And should we get into this thing? Yeah. Yeah. We have actually, we've got an episode today. Yeah. yeah. So good thing we just spent 10 minutes talking about peanut butter and potatoes. These are priorities. <laughs> okay. Yep. Had to be dealt with first. This other thing we're going to talk about, it's kind of important, but more importantly, we need to figure out when crunchy peanut butter is appropriate. Yes. And what thickness of potato yeah wedge, what, you what like? is your perfect fry potato yeah what's your pf your P <laughs> and when is a crunch appropriate and those yeah. are the hard questions we're asking here at yeah. words of a feather but we're also talking about anxiety <laughs> yes oh yeah and then on That's, the side yeah. on the side we're gonna double into anxiety and adhd part two part we're two. doing a part two yeah. so earlier um episode <laughs> cue the music Episode 45. Beep, beep, beep. Anxiety part one, scary statistics. Yep. So <laughs> that's a great title. <laughs> so we talked about basically generalized anxiety disorder. And we kind of touched on what that is, what are the symptoms, treatment, um, and not so much about ADHD and anxiety, because that's this episode. Yay. Yay. But to to kind of recap, generalized anxiety, there's well, a bunch of different uh, do we do we want to do our little accomplishments oh first? Oh my god! I was I thought meat. I was doing so well. I was like, I remember the intro. Yeah. Can we do the little? 
yeah, let's do it. That's Man. all right. You got it. Two out I'm of three. I'm so excited that I nailed it. And then I just set myself Un- up for yeah, failure. Unnailed it. Yeah, I unnailed right. myself. Yep. Let's do those little accomplishments. Little accomplishments, but big in our hearts. Yay. Yay. All right, Kristen, why don't you tell us your little accomplishment? Okay. Um, I registered last minute for a conference I'm supposed to go to to learn. Yay. It's the Aortic Symposium of 2023. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's a classic conference. Yep. Um, no, I'm I'm traveling with one of my neurotypical colleagues. We're going to go learn some stuff. Yay. Mostly eat barbecue. Where are you going? Houston. Nice. Got to go get that Southern food. I love Southern food. It's so good. Yeah, I do too. Oh, my God. Everything's just like lard and yummy and just even the vegetables are like covered in some sort of fatty substance and like mixed with bacon and it's just the way god intended vegetables yeah (laughs) (laughs) who's doing salads when you've got you know collard greens with bacon i agree it's just better it's so much better yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I'm. I guess I'm excited to learn about aortas because I I probably should learn something. Yeah, but you but, don't have to lie. That's okay. You know, these are fun because you get to travel. But it will be good. I it will be good for me to learn about you know caring for patients. That would be helpful. Yeah, yeah that would yeah. be nice. So I'm excited. Cool. See what peeps are doing. Houston's a big. They have a lot of like major hospitals, so it'll be interesting to see what people have to say. Totally. Grace. Yes. What is your little accomplishment? I hung up a tapestry in the pod loft. Nice. <laughs> You're sitting right next to it. I am. It's got a, a bunch of moths on it. So yeah, this I, I I think it's very pretty. It's there to frighten you and keep you on your toes. Yeah, I am on my toes. Never forget your place in the moth Tip-toeing. food chain. Yeah. yeah, I am very low on that You're food at chain. Bottom. Yeah, at the bottom. The pod loft is just. Uh, we just need a little zhuzh. We've we do ta- need a We've zhuzh. been talking about painting it and redesigning it and we have plans to coming up but in the meantime i remembered that i had this beautiful tapestry and i thought i would add a little zhuzh to the walls in the meantime zhuzh it and i totally forgot your thing about moths until you came in here today and i was like oh yeah kristen's scared of moths yeah that's okay maybe it's it's exposure they're terrifying yeah they're still terrifying they're just you know they can't hurt you they're, well, especially the Luna Moth, it doesn't have a mouth, but they can like flutter aggressively in my direction. So, and that's what you're scared of. Yeah. Well, no, you know what I'm scared of, and we've already talked about this the unpredictability. They're not predictable. Where are you going? They don't know. They, that's the thing. <laughs> How can you live your life that way? Suddenly they're, they're just in your like, hair. you know, just yeah. They're like, well, let me check out over here. This giant thing, and then then it gets on your clothes, and they're gross. Except for this one over here. I like this one. Yeah, that one's pretty. It's nice. Yeah. But uh, to, uh, no, I need to know what direction you're going in and you need to not change your mind like a thousand times. I can't, I don't really understand your fear of moths, but I guess I'll just I'm have to I'm not the only one. It. It's like I know a thing. you're not. But plenty of people are afraid of moths. Your reasoning just doesn't really make and it, sense and to me. And it's because, and, and they all say the same thing. It's because there's no predictability. But like, so what? If a it flies, bee, you know where bees are going. Bees are so much worse because bees can hurt me. I'd rather get stung by a bee than deal with a moth. Would you? Yes. That's crazy. Yes. That's a crazy thing to say. That's not You'd a crazy. You'd rather get stung by a bee yes. than have a moth I'm not allergic. It will hurt hair. for like a bit. Okay. And the emotional damage that a moth will do is worse? Yes. <laughs> Years off my life. You'd literally <laughs> rather get stung by a thing? Like well, where am I getting stung? Like in the arm? Anywhere. Yeah. Well, not an eyeball. That would really well, suck. Well, not the eyeball. Yeah, the arm. Let's say the arm. You'd rather get stung on the arm by a bee than have a moth fly into you? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I don't respect this. Never mind. I take it back. I don't even respect your fear of moths. Because that's insane. <laughs> the bee's just doing his job, protecting the hive. But if he's going to sting me, I don't want that. I like bees. I like bees. I respect bees. Bees are like the one I'm insect just, I can I can definitely deal with on a regular see, I'm basis. I'm very scared of bees. I don't know why. I'm not I'm allergic. Not. I just don't want to get stung. I just don't like being stung. I, that's, it hurts a that lot. That makes sense to me, but what makes more sense is these fuckers <laughs> being afraid of these guys. No, I don't get that. They, they don't can, make they can't s- bite you. They're just like, they don't even make sense in my brain of like why they're a creature, you know? So it's the unknown that it's, is, makes you fearful? I guess so, but I just... They're like weirdly fluffy. No one should be that fluffy. They're fluffity. They're, they're puffity. 
that's like Six, from seven, like eight, nine, ten. 2005 yeah oh um, here's a poll question name that reference no one will name get it. that reference jesus i don't like moths but i'll these are okay because they're not real they're painted okay just remind yourself of that anytime you get yeah fright but i'm proud of you for hanging it up it looks Thank lovely you. all I right like the colors yeah i think it's quite lovely in the meantime before we paint mm-hmm. all right we need to start this we GD need to, episode yeah, let's <laughs> Get it together. We're now. Now. We're in the meat. Yeah. It is the meat. It's the meat. So like I was saying before I realized we didn't do our little accomplishment is let's recap episode 45, which is generalizing. There's a bunch of different anxiety disorders out there. There's all these phobias. There's social phobia. There's agoraphobia, um, specific phobia. And there's also generalized anxiety disorder, which is basically having excess anxiety without like a really good probable cause, I guess, is a not a great way to say it. Some people think it's a hyper response of the fight or flight in your nervous system. Symptoms include restlessness, fatigue, sleep disturbance, loss of concentration. Sounds a lot like ADHD. We'll get there. And, and it's supposed to be a diagnosis of exclusion, although it is often not treated as such. I know this from being in the medical community and stuff like that. So, yeah, so we recapped on that. We touched on it. We talked about it. We ranted quite a bit. Yep. And probably going to have more rants today. Always. Um, That's this podcast. (laughs) That is is exactly why we're here. And so today we're going to talk about ADHD and anxiety because lo and behold, they're highly comorbid, um, which means they go together. Yep. Like lamb and tuna fish. Uh, oh, you prefer spaghetti and meatball? <laughs> Lemon and tuna fish? Lamb and tuna fish. Name that reference. No. You don't, you don't get my reference? I don't get that reference. No one gets that reference. Yes, they do. I'm not going to say what it is, but is it? tell me if you know what movie that's from. Okay, so yeah, spaghetti and meatballs here. Yep. And peanut butter and jelly. Creamy. Smooth. Yeah. <laughs> so anxiety is the number one comorbidity of ADHD. Wait, is it beyond autism? I believe so in... My research, yes. Okay. But a lot of these articles are like from 2015. Yeah. And also like we've talked about extensively, the medical community is fraught with problems and mm-hmm. still to this day, things are mostly studied on white males. Yes. And so, yeah, the it's hard to talk about percentages of different diagnoses because like we've been shit in general yes. at diagnosing these things. Yes. So I think this is, I got a lot of this from like the Google Scholar. So like research, like medically published articles. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's those, when you do like a medical study, sometimes it can take years. So mm. Maybe it's not like the current thing, but it is, from what I have read, the number one comorbidity. Okay. There's a lot of different... So I wanted to say... So at first, I found a number that said there's about 50% of ADHDers have anxiety. And then there was a bunch of articles that said 25%. And then you found one that said like up to 60%. Yeah, I think Tracy on ADHD for Smartest Women has said around 60. But she thinks that like pretty much all ADHDers I mean, have anxiety, which a, I do as well. It's a stressful, it's a stressful thing to have. Um, yeah, and I we're going to get into it. Inherently, you'd think that we would pretty much all have some level of anxiety. Yes. Just inherently. Because the world is against us, basically. Yeah, so it's um, like, of course you're going to feel anxious. It just, it all makes sense. We're going to get into it. We're going to, we are going to get into I'm it. Just giving so, them a little teaser of a rant, <laughs> a little teasing rant. Yeah, so it's a whole, what I'm going to say is a whole huck of a bunch. Yeah. Of people who have ADHD also have anxiety. At or least, some sort at of least half. Anxiety disorder. Yes. So there's a study from 2006, which I know is a long time ago. Um, in the Journal of Attention Disorders that showed those with anxiety and ADHD are often diagnosed later in life because the anxiety component inhibits or limits like the mm. impulsivity of the individual. I thought that was really interesting. Mm, that so interesting. they're thinking like if you have a lot of anxiety, you're probably not going to be as impulsive because oh. you're worried. And I could see that in you. I was definitely. just going to say, I am. It com- my impulsivity comes out in like the worst ways sometimes, but <laughs> where I'm just like, it and i just end up breaking something yeah yeah i would yeah. say your your impulsivity is very kind of controlled i guess like you don't yeah you don't have big like life ruining impulsive decisions or even like medium impulsive yeah decisions. i haven't ruined my life yet but yeah i'm 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 getting there <laughs> you're, you're working hard on it. <laughs> so another study in psychological assessment which is a journal i've never heard of 
I don't know if it's a real thing, but I hope so. Here's if you're referencing it. Yeah, I am. It, it is. I mean, you can find it and all the links are below. Usually they're like the journal of psychological assessment. Mm. But here, I don't know. I didn't name the journal. You didn't? Um, no. <laughs> and, this, and this is a quote. So those with ADHD and anxiety appear to show increased difficulty with self-regulation and emotion and self-organization slash problem solving, a domain which appears to overlap substantially with working memory, which oh. totally makes sense. And a lot of people with anxiety, what are they anxious about? We're going to get really dive into it in just a second. But it's all these working memory issues like remembering appointments and bills and mm. and stuff like that. And that totally makes sense, once again, of why you would feel anxious about that. If right. like working memory specifically is diminished, which it is for ADHD, right. then yeah, if you're like, I don't have a reliable system to remember something that someone literally just said to me. Exactly. Of course, going into any situation, you're going to feel anxious. Exactly. Exactly. So- um, what does anxiety look like in someone with ADHD? Pretty much Kristen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, patient zero. No, I'm not patient zero. There are many before me. You're just um, the poster child for it. Yeah. Well, they share a lot of the same symptoms, including restlessness, forgetfulness, irritability, which we talked about that emotional dysregulation, mm. um, difficulty concentrating. Oh, my gosh. And you're just like, well, this just sounds like ADHD. There's a quote from Dr. Sasha... Hamdani, who is a board-certified psychiatrist and an ADHD specialist in Kansas, hmm. who says an important question to ask when trying to figure out the root of the symptoms is, is the anxiety causing difficulty focusing or is the inability to focus causing anxiety? Ooh. So basically, it's like chicken or the egg. Is it the ADHD yeah. causing anxiety or anxiety causing this like uh, working memory, forgetfulness, difficulty concentrating, which is which is a difficult question. It's hard yeah. to suss that out. And, and you know, people today have a really hard time trying it. This is why I kind of think that generalized anxiety disorders, you know, maybe a little bit overdiagnosed. Yep. You don't have to be so subtle about I, it. It is overdiagnosed. Yeah. So because it's it's difficult. It's tr It's really difficult to see, you know, when you're trying to do this in like a very methodical way. Mm. It's like almost impossible and you're meeting this person for like an hour and now you have to do all these tests and figure it out. But you're not with them on a day to day basis, mm -hmm. but you have to, you know, diagnose them as if you were. It's hard. And masking is a big component. That's another for yeah. female presenting people that we do mask a lot. So right. it's like hard to even get diagnosed by specialists sometimes. Right. 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 Or when Christopher was diagnosed, you know, he. <laughs> They made him play this game with numbers, mm. and he loves to remember numbers. I was going to say, but he loved that. He loved it, and he hyper-focused on it. And they're like, we don't think you have ADHD. And then the- You're too smart. He, yeah, they were like, you're, you were like near genius levels on this, and your IQ must be super high. And then he went to another person, and they're like, oh, no, you just have ADHD. Sounds like you hyper-focused on that. And he's like, yeah, it was great. Yeah. I love numbers. See, that's a real specialist <laughs> right. who's going to take into account that we can have these hyper-focuses, right. which is the whole problem. That's why we haven't been diagnosed, right. because our hyper-focuses and our masking can, like, hide these pro these struggles. Right. And then especially with women, when, you know, all these studies have been done on men or mm. boys, you know, it makes it difficult. But and yeah, then, you it, know, if you're a per if you're black or a person of color, then oh, it's even more so. It. <laughs> These are very much like not studied on you, and right, yeah, the whole the whole system is fraught with problems. Yeah, so so I think what that quote, what that uh, psychiatrist was trying to say is like it's very difficult to figure out: is it anxiety causing a concentration issue, or is it ADHD causing an anxiety issue? Mm. And then you're like, well, what are ADHDers? anxious about and you're like fucking everything yeah. most often it's it's a working memory thing it's forgetting appointments forgetting bills being late general time management completing tasks things that we as adhd people have you know repeatedly have difficulty with are very stressful trying to remember these things or kind of fit into the neurotypical world mm -hmm. when you're not neurotypical is stressful yeah it's stressful you know we're we're not set up to be the world is not set up for us. It's set up yes. for neurotypicals, and that is just stressful. Yes, absolutely. Maybe you have a hyper-aroused nervous system, and then you're just like, it's a perfect recipe for anxiety. 
Yeah, absolutely. And we talk a lot about like the two sides of the same coin with ADHD Mm -hmm. and anxiety can really be a big deciding factor of are you like under vigilant about this thing because you have anxiety about like you're so bad at responding to emails that you're like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to avoid my emails. Or do you like develop like so much anxiety that you are like obsessively checking your emails because one time something fell through the cracks and now you're like, can't do that again. So then you become like, or you show up to places 45 minutes early because you were shamed for being late and now you're like anxious about being on time. I feel like anxiety can really make those ADHD traits look so different depending right. on what your anxiety is. like, oh, she's thing. so punctual. And you're yeah. like, no, no, no. She did nothing before this appointment. Yeah. She sat for two hours. She got here like an hour early. Yeah. You can't just look at the behavior. You have to look at what's driving the behavior. Yeah, you're exactly. right. If, you, you know, on paper, a doctor would be like, well, they're never late to anything. Right. There's no way it's ADHD. But it's like, yeah, if you saw the behind the scenes, they're, they're crazy. Like- <laughs> You know what I always check and double check and still sometimes mess up Mm. is my documenting on patients' lefts and rights. Mm. That's like my big thing is like, was it a left or was it a right? I don't know. And and I've been a lot better about it now, but like I'll check my notes like four times before I officially sign them because Mm. I'm like, I got to make sure it's a left or right. Yeah, I do. I have some things that I do like obsessively because yeah, yeah, I'm so scared of making this mistake. Like checking for my keys before I leave the house. I will literally, I'll say out loud, my keys are in my bag. My keys are in my bag. And then before I leave, I still have to check the bag. Yeah. I usually am like holding my keys and I'm like keys, phone, wallet, badge, keys, phone, wallet, badge. Now I just keep my badge in my car because I've forgotten it so many times. The last thing I wanted to talk about is treatment. Our last episode, when we talked about treatment, we talked about SSRIs, which can definitely help with anxiety. Um, however, with with this combo of anxiety, ADHD, you really need to, you know, most of the time it's the ADHD causing anxiety. So treating the ADHD usually really helps the anxiety, whether this is a stimulant or a non-stimulant medication. Sometimes you can use an SSRI like like Celexa or Prozac or Lexapro, all those ones in combo with ADHD medications. But these, once again, these are all things you need to discuss with your doctor and figure out a good treatment plan for you. Um, Wellbutrin or bupropion is the generic name for it, has an off-label use for ADHD and anxiety slash depression um, because they think it acts on the dopamine receptors. This one I've been on and I, it like... I'm sure it works for some people. It was not for me. Um, Why didn't you like it? I well, I rely heavily on my anxiety. Yes, that's like my thing. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's my whole shebang. Your maladaptive coping strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love it. Kind uh, of. Do you? No. Um. But it's when you take Wellbutrin, you it very much works on depression, anxiety, and you're like, wow, this is great. But you don't have that coping mechanism anymore. So. I felt like, one, I just, like, stopped caring about the things I would care about, like, getting, you know, my stuff for working on time. And I just really kind of, like, lost, like, all motivation because mm. I rely on my anxiety for my motivation. So it worked well. It worked well. You just well. didn't have the coping strategies to replace your anxiety. Yes, with like a I wasn't prepared for it, yes. I guess. So I will add that if you do have ADHD and you're going to work on treating your anxiety whether it's through ADHD medication or anxiety medication, pairing that with some behavioral changes and adding in some right. ADHD strategies. Cause like, like people say, pills don't teach skills. Right. And yeah, if you just take your anxiety away now, what, like the medication isn't gonna right. suddenly give you executive functioning, even the, with like in stimulants. the working memory, I yeah. could not even like remember my last name. I had no working memory. <laughs> I was like convinced I was like becoming like a dumb person and it was just because I didn't have yeah you're exactly right I didn't have any ADHD skills I wasn't ready Mm. to like lose all my anxiety I need it for now (laughs) you need to have yeah you need to have strategies in place you need to be able to structure your lifestyle in a way that's kind of like a slower living like you really yeah you can't just take anxiety meds if you're in a high kind of stress uh the same thing happened when I had Lexapro first of all yeah I just want to say that um, and it now kind of all makes sense kind of talking this out. Yeah, I, I didn't have any strategies in place. And, and they, you know, when you're prescribed these, or at least when I was, it was kind of like, well, this might work. 
let's see what it does. Mm. And and they don't tell you about like and probably because, you know, it hasn't really been studied. But like when you yeah, when you go on anxiety medication and you have ADHD, you got to be ready to like have all those coping mechanisms and those strategies and those behavior modifications to mm. to deal with not having your crutch as if you use anxiety as a crutch for life. <laughs> you got to be ready. So, yeah, it didn't work out for me. And that's why. <laughs> Maybe the next time around. You Maybe know? the next time around. Yeah. I'm just taking a break from all of that for now. Yeah. yeah, you really you really do have to find something to kind of replace that anxiety, whether it's a total like restructuring of your lifestyle and like building a slower life for you where you don't need to use that anxiety to get through. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, you find kind of healthier strategies that will help you like care about your work. Like it's essentially like finding new motivators right. because anxiety is your major motivator. Right. And without it, you don't you're not really motivated to do things. And I've heard a lot of people say that that when they like started treating their ADHD or their autism or they started like working on their burnout, uh then suddenly it was like well, now I feel like I don't have any motivation for anything. But it's like, yeah, that's kind of like part of the process is that you've been using this maladaptive strategy for your entire life right. to get you to function in society. And of, yeah, of course, you're going to struggle if you just boop, take that away. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what happened. It was like, boop, your one coping mechanism is gone. Yeah. Isn't that nice? And you're like, this is not nice. It was nice for like a day when you're like, wow, I feel like I'm not like depressed yeah um <laughs> yeah if, if you had had some some kind of structure set up for yourself I think right. it would have gone differently and if I was like mentally prepared for it yeah. too I thought I was like oh this will just help and it and and it might have but the non-medication supports weren't there mm. you know? and also in our sick late stage capitalism society things that like work quote-unquote could also be detrimental to you personally like anxiety mm-hmm. you know it's like it helps you function in our capitalistic society yeah. even though it's unhealthy for you oh for sure so it was but like just a bad Chris, thing that it was taken do away some yoga or some stretching at home just some mindfulness you know take a break try not to overload yourself look away from your computer screen every yeah. 20 minutes <laughs> Fuck. problem solved I fucking hate every time i have to do one of those like um workplace wellness videos i'm just like i hate this it's all bullshit because it's, it's bullshit. not actually about wellness it's about it's... how do we make you a more productive little worker right. it's not like oh we just exactly. care about your mental health you know who did a really great uh workplace wellness podcast yep. episode maintenance phase Ooh, of course uh, they I, did. we have to link that it's it's i love them i fucking love them so much and I tell I tell all the med students that come by to listen to it, and I think they all hate me. And I'm like, you need to listen. Whatever, to this. I'll never stop suggesting maintenance phase. Those of you listening, go listen to maintenance phase, especially it's- if you're in healthcare. I think it's yes. so crucial. Just start with the BMI episode because it's so just like, oh yeah. Well, just fat phobia is so deeply ingrained. So in our deeply culture. ingrained. And then in the BMI, it's like a made up number, and there's no like. It has racist a racist base also. Yes. It's- and 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 it and it's repeatedly shown to be like it doesn't account for like muscle mass or you know. It was like made up by this guy who was like a scientist or and, something. And they showed that they're like oh this really doesn't like show anything but yeah like medications are based off of sometimes they're based off of weight but sometimes they're based off of BMI and you're like why? Which is insane. Mm-hmm. Anyway. All right, anyway. Oh my gosh, I can't. On track. We got to <laughs> So you need to work with your doctor, but also if you're, you know, seeking treatment for anxiety, you got to like do some deep thinking of like, is this my crutch for life? Because I want to say like, don't do what I did and was like, oh, let me just treat my anxiety and then just like be an absolute helpless person. Yes. Because that's what happened and it wasn't fun and it's taken me months to like get back to where I was and I think... Now I'm like trying like actual skills and behavioral modifications to help myself, which is a much better route. And then maybe when I am like ready, I'll revisit the whole medication game again. But for now, nope. All right. Um, Thanks for your honesty. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That being said, studies have shown that treating ADHD first has been shown to decrease the symptoms of other psychiatric disorders and comorbidities such as anxiety, depression, bipolar, and substance abuse. And I really want to like touch on that in depth later that it's, it's not crazy. It makes total sense because people with substance abuse often are, um, 
self-medicating for untreated or underdiagnosed or under-medicated psychiatric disorders. Yeah. You know, no one wants to be addicted to drugs. No one goes into it being like, let's get addicted, even though I think some people think of that. But it's crazy, you know, you treat the root cause and it and it treats all the other things like the anxiety or the depression or the substance abuse, you it's know? It's wild. Wild to How think that, that when you treat the, you properly medicate or tra- properly give the person the skills or the treatments and the therapies that they need, that they get better and all the other things go away. Mm. Crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then lastly, a big thing is to rule out PTSD. Since many neurodivergence have PTSD and trauma, that can mimic a hypervigilant state of mind and can mimic anxiety. And if you just treat that without getting to the underlying cause, once again, of like the trauma, and that's, mm. you know, a lot of like therapy, it may, you know, medications probably won't work if you don't treat like the trauma behind it. Yeah. But also I feel like that once again falls into like what came first, the chicken or the egg, because like almost all of us have CPTSD, Mm -hmm. which is complex PTSD, which is like smaller little things throughout your life that you wouldn't Mm -hmm. even necessarily point to as like, wow, that was a big traumatic moment for me. It's like literally like all those tiny little moments of like rejection. Yeah. Or shame or whatever. And they all build up and that also can affect your brain you know, right. very similarly to anxiety and similarly to ADHD. So it's like what came first, but right. yeah, I think it's, I think for us, it's like, I feel like almost all ADHDers have CPTSD and have anxiety. And yeah, it's really hard to like separate those. It's hard to separate. It, it is. And and I think that leads to like misdiagnosis that leads to like incorrect therapies and then you know it's it's hard but you have to figure out and it may be a long journey but like what works for you and and maybe that's no medication at all maybe that's a stimulant maybe it's a non-stimulant maybe it's like an ssri wellbutrin some sort of thing like that or maybe it's somatic therapy could be somatic yeah body-based body-based therapies it could be cognitive behavioral therapy well Speaking of that, I do have one thing that a listener said about CBT. If oh, sure. Me jumping yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm done with my oh, little okay. rant, so. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Hope you liked your anxiety rant. I loved um, it. But I, yeah, what, who who said? So I'm, I'm going to keep them anonymous. Okay. But they said, I've had CBT and found it really helped. This was before I even realized I had ADHD and I diagnosed myself with generalized anxiety after a few sessions of CBT mm-hmm. when I was at a really fucking low, like lowest of the low, struggling yeah. parenting three neurodivergent children. My God. With my own issues of hypersensitivity to sounds, et cetera. Oh, oh it was gosh. bad times. I can't even imagine. Right? I can't even manage myself. Nightmare. She said, the CBT really helped, but I think you have to gel with the practitioner. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. To identify where you are are catastrophizing and where you have a problem versus a a worry. I feel it didn't cover it all, but it was defo the beginning to me unraveling my wonderful brain and realizing that the patterns that our brains develop are sometimes super destructive and at others debilitating. So I thought that was really helpful that she said that um, to let us know that. In some situations, CBT can be very helpful, yeah. you know, like we talked about. It's not it, a black and white. Yeah, therapy, know. whether the medication or somatic or cognitive, it is so unique per person. Mm-hmm. And you have to figure out, and that sucks that you sometimes you have to like trial and, and fail sometimes, mm-hmm. but you have to figure out what works for you. And what works for you might not work for, you know, someone else. Yeah, yeah. And I do... Oh, I think she made a really good point, obviously, that I do think the number one key is finding the right practitioner. Because you could have a CBT therapist who, like, does not understand ADHD or autism at all and is going to just try to, like, do the bullshit we talked about where it can just be, like, a lot of, like, positive affirmations and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Or you could find a therapist who really does understand your neurotype or what's going on. And, yeah, it can just, like, make a world of difference of how helpful versus harmful they're going to be. Yeah. Um, it is totally okay to ask for a different person if you're not vibing. Yes, yes. And that goes with therapists. That goes with doctors. You yes. can always ask for a second opinion from a specialist or a second opinion from a second specialist. That's totally fine because you need to be your own advocate. Yeah. When people are like, I want a second opinion, I'm never offended. I'm like, great, good. Let's get you more information because you need 
you know, this making medical decisions isn't easy. And yeah. if you need more information from more than one opinion, you know, I, when I hire like a carpenter or something, I'm not going to like go to the first place. Mm. You're going to look for reviews. You're going to do your research. You're going to figure it out. Mm. And, and some people need a different person. Some people need a second opinion and that's totally fine. Yeah. I think it'd be a big ego trip. You, like you'd just be on an ego trip if you were like, offended by that of like someone wanting more information about yeah. their own health it's like that's they're the patient okay yeah. or like questioning the doctor that's fine to question the doctor like that's they're there for questions yeah but i think so many people just like defer to them as you know the authority they're not same with knowing. therapists yeah. yeah or you're just like i don't know well you know best yeah which can happen so easily to us especially as adhders that we've been told that like you don't know what you're talking about you can't right. trust your intuition blah blah blah. you're asking too many questions right, right. so yeah i think that's a good it's uh, okay reminder. if you don't vibe with someone yeah. And if they're like a bad therapist can really fuck you up, right. you know, if right. they're like having you convinced that this is all your fault and it's just in your head or whatever, you just need to like positive talk your way out of anxiety. Yeah. And just ADHD. affirmations all yeah. the way. That's all. You just have a negative mindset. Yeah. But I do like what that listener said about it really, CBT really helped her with catastrophizing. Yes. And I think that's a really good point that I do see CBT as being valuable for people who do have those like big ruminating thoughts or just thoughts that are like mm -hmm. totally false it's not like well i failed at this one thing and so now we're now i'm worried i'm gonna fail again it's like yeah. i'm so worried that my house is gonna burn down when i leave it or whatever like just things that are just like catastrophizing yeah. you know i do see it being helpful for that and i did just want to add a little more on just kind of clarifying why people do have some difficulties with cbt autistic creators especially i see them talking about it a lot because for a lot of neurodivergent people, we are very cognitively based. We've like, and for those, those uh, psychology girlies out there like me, you know, you've done a lot of self-analyzation. You've like looked at your thoughts. You've looked at your behaviors. You know why you do certain things. You know that that thought is wrong and that it's like lying to you. So with CBT, it's like we've already cognitively like processed so much of this stuff that like I don't need to be like told what my problem is. I need to just like get it out of my body, you know? Right. So yeah, I think that's an important distinction of what really do you need help with and where do you feel like your anxiety is kind of stemming from? Because you can, like we've talked about, you can have all the positive reframes in the world, but if you're still feeling that fight or flight in your body, then like that doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just, I didn't want to... I felt, I don't, I don't know. I didn't want to go too hard against CBT. And I thought that was really great that yeah. the listener was like, if it works, it works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Same I with just, somatic therapies. Like maybe some people just didn't respond to that and yeah, that's fine. And that's fine. Yeah. I think if you've tried talk therapies like CBT or just straight up talk therapy or any type of cognitive processing to like work on your anxiety and you're not really seeing many changes, I do think somatic therapy would be good for you to try out, you know, because it just takes a totally different pathway. And I think that if anything, for some people, myself included, adding even more cognitive processing to a problem can make it worse because I can think myself in circles, you know, it's like at the end of the day, I just need to like turn my brain off and yes. get, release this from my body. Like That's I don't need more reframes i need to just like shut my brain off have you thought of it in a different light though <laughs> i've thought of it in every fucking light susan <laughs> so that's like why i'm going so hard for somatic therapies because i feel like my most of my life i have been like a cognitive person of like let's just think about this more let's journal about it let's talk about it let's talk 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 but if i haven't been able to fix myself yet I know it's not just my brain. It's also in my body. So got to get all those body wiggles out. Yeah. And wiggling is good. Good for you. Good for your nervous yeah. system. Oh, did I tell you I tapped? You did? I did. How'd it go? It went okay. <gasps> yeah. I got sleepy. Yeah. I did the bedtime one. But then like, do you have to pay for that app? Yeah. Uh, and I forgot to mention that. They do have, there's some free ones on there. I did one free one and then I got a bunch of emails and they're like, pay this much money to do more tapping. And I'm like, oh, this is... No, and I should have said that in my episode. I forgot that I even paid for it. But there, I do know there are some free ones on there. Like this the is why we need one. to make our own free app called Tap, Tap, out, Tap of out of It. I legitimately think we should. I think we should. Someone in the tech industry, partner with us on this Tap Out of It. Don't you'll steal get our no idea. revenue back. <laughs> no, you'll get something. You'll, we'll give you'll you shares. Get... We need you. Let's lie to them. Tell them 
yeah don't listen to this part <laughs> lie to them tell them that we want to make a free tapping app yeah that's not fat phobic yes called tap out of it yes uh in the back it's just gonna be like and it's gonna be an actual tap dancer yeah on top of tapping yeah yeah i like it i think we got tap out of it i think we got something here coming to an iphone near you I think we should maybe make a prototype of uh, some guided sessions. Some guided tap sessions. Yeah. That's fair. Well, should we get it? I'm proud of you for uh, trying yeah. tapping. I thought it worked. Yeah. But um, I'm going to stick with my free stuff for now. So instead, to shut my brain off, I listened to, I found a new bedtime app. Nice. It's called the Sleepy Bookshelf. Okay. And this lady with this very like English accent, so it sounds fancier. Yep calming soothing voice reads books but takes all the stressful parts out of them so that's kind of nice so i do that and then i i do my other one nothing much happens which is another lady who reads a story that she writes herself which i think is quite Mm. nice and they're very calming and relaxing stories nice i just got done with pride and prejudice congrats couldn't tell you what happened because i always fall asleep yeah but that's the whole point right Yeah. yeah So. Did you try any tapping for anxiety or just a sleepy time just one? Just a sleepy time one. Well, try the anxiety one. I think that one's also free. Okay. And I think you can just listen to it as many times as you want. Cool. Because I just have a few that I do, like, not all the time, but, like, when I go to tap, I'll do, like, this handful of ones that I do over and over. Yeah. And it's, like, good to do to do the same one over and over. Okay. To kind of, like, drill that message into, into your body. But, yeah, try the anxiety one, and I think you'll notice a nice little difference. Okay. And I'm sorry I didn't mention that you have to pay for the app, and I wish I didn't. I wish you didn't have to pay for it. But there, it's called The Tapping Solution. There are still a few on there that you can try out um, just to give you a little taste. A little taster. Yeah. Should we get on with the boat? Yeah, let's wind it down. Yeah. And clip. Oh, yeah, wait, wait. Yeah. yeah. Clip trap yeah. to the, tra- clip to the train station, station yeah. with the birds. Because we're here. At with the, our load of birds our load of birds at the train station yeah yep o- unload the birds unload the birds for the bod i want your bod nice bod all right but um, first remember we just gotta like end it because oh, then sh- we'll sh- fade sh- out yeah yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> uh we need to have like the rules man written on i the wall need for you. some sticky note i need like a screen that says almost like a what do the newscasters read oh yeah news a prompter a prompter teleprompter i need a teleprompter yeah but it has like a syllabus on it yeah a syllabus prompter i mean you're just looking at your computer where we have the outline yeah but maybe i should difference instead of i should put in little places like stage directions yeah yeah that's what i need to do yes you need to be more explicit because you make the outline like well just assume you know we just know to introduce the podcast but i don't we just know to do an outro you don't i don't you are literally looking at exactly what we have written and that's the schedule for you yeah whereas i'm just like my brain is filling in what's not written down yes and you don't do that so i feel like you need to make it more explicit i need to make and that's okay yeah give yourself an account that's Accommodation. Great idea. My yeah. God, you're brilliant. I am sometimes. This has been Weirds of Feather and ADHD adjacent contest. No, no not oh at all. Oh my God. ADHD adjacent contest. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good idea. We should do an ADHD adjacent contest. Oh my God. I keep thumping on this. I'm I know. Sorry. You're going to you have do. to uh, edit that out. I okay. literally always have to because you're always, every episode. I Where's my fidget sorters? Here it is. I hope you guys realize just how good I am at sound editing. You're so because good. Because the amount of times Kristen is slamming, slamming on the arm of her chair. To moving things. Accentuate burping. her point. But it's like, I'm the only one seeing it. And now you just hear a bunch of banging in the background. Eventually the we'll film ourselves. And then you'll get to see And then you get to Kristen. see me in action. Yep. You'll be like, Wow. She should not be doing that during an audio medium, but here she is. (laughs) This has been Weirds of a Feather, an ADHD adjacent podcast. I hope you liked our podcast today about anxiety and ADHD. Hopefully you learned something. And if you didn't, well, I hope you enjoyed the ride. Yeah. I hope you had fun anyways. You don't Um, always have to learn here and you won't. Yeah. You uh, can rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcast and Spotify. You can just give us a rating. I've seen a few people did add, did give us some five stars on uh, Spotify. Nice. So I think we have like 21 reviews Sweet. on there. I think we're back up to five stars maybe. The rule is if you give us less than five stars, you have to write why. Yes. You have to tell us why. We, we need to know. need to know the criticism. We can handle it we really can't uh, we can't no we can't but it's it's good for us and luckily no one's done it yet no so. all our fans have been so supportive and so nice and we really really like you 
If you like us too, you can follow us at um, where's a feather at gmail.com. No, you can't no, follow us. You can email gosh, us there. You can email us there. And then you can follow us on Instagram at where's a feather. You can join our Facebook group. It grows every day. Every day. And you can um, buy us a coffee. Yeah. At ko fi slash where's a feather. That pay just, your bills first. Yes, pay your bills. Make a financial plan. All and right. Toss some change our way if you got leftovers. If you got leftovers. Great. Great. We'll take them. If not, that's fine. Yeah. All right. And that's it, I would say. And that's our outro. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. And now, stage right, (laughs) we go to the bod. Show me that bod. Today's bod is we're going back to Australia. I feel like we've we've done a lot of Australian birds. So here's one more. (laughs) Add it to your repertoire. Um, They just have the coolest birds i know they got great birds they got great birds australia you're doing something right <laughs> uh the eastern whitbird is native to australia it's like a cool it's like a olive green bird and it's got black and it's got a little white little belly um and it's named for its whip-like call hmm. and let's take a listen let's hear it Whip. What the fuck? I know. There's no way. You got it. <laughs> that sound is very hard to mimic. Yeah, well. <laughs> I know. Maybe we should choose easier birds. Yeah, you're choosing really hard well, birds that make like sounds that don't sound like they're even coming from animals. Like the smoke alarm one. Oh, yes. <laughs> that was just like. It's like a plop. It's like a plop in a bucket. Like, boop. Like a whip. Like a. Yeah, or plop in a bucket. Okay, wait, called wait. a plop bird. <laughs> All right, I got it. What? What? Close enough. <laughs> that just sounded like a mosquito. Yeah, I, it I did. hated that. Um, <laughs> this is really good in an audio medium. <laughs> yeah, people love it. The high pitch. <laughs> well, I think that's uh, that's, that's as good it. as close as we're gonna Better get. Better bod. Easier bird. Maybe. I always appreciate bird suggestions. Okay. And that's it. That's it. See ya.